Hey folks, Jeff Salzman here and welcome to This Week in the News, uh, a feature of the Daily Evolver and 10,000 Heroes podcast with Encore Delight. I'm here with Encore and good morning to you and Encore, take it away. What are we talking about today? All right. Good morning, Jeff. So I selected this article, you know, based on her using, you know, I, it, it was online, but it, it was kind of like I was sitting at this desk and had this big newsprint in front of me with some like coffee. That was that was the attitude. So I saw this article on Nazi symbols worn by Ukrainian soldiers. And I was like, oh, there's going to be some good stuff in there for <laughs> us. <laughs> and it yeah. turns out, it turns out there was. So the the background I mean, there's there's background to the background, but I guess the, mm -hmm. the the gist of the article is that there have been numerous instances on Ukraine official Ukrainian army or Ukrainian nation social media of soldiers wearing patches and insignia that are symbols related to the Nazis. Yep, and and when it was kind of when they're asked about it, or in, in one case, I think the New York Times asked them about it. Those those images were immediately taken down, but it's it's it turns out that it's quite um I don't know if common is the right word, but there's a certain faction. I mean, this whole thing is that then it just gets like very fascinating. But there's a faction of the people fighting in Ukraine that are not actually officially Ukrainian military. They were like essentially resistance fighters or paramilitary organizations that started out, I think, is like like far right political parties, but then organized and resisted the Russian invasion of Crimea and became some of the first resistance fighters in Ukraine yeah. in this kind of modern round of warfare. And then it then it kind of draws back they, they, some of the iconography they use has to do with when Russia had control of Ukraine in the lead up to World War II and the Nazi German invasion of Ukraine which people there saw as a liberation. Yep. Some of these people then fought alongside the Nazis against the Russians, yep. liberate their homeland, yep. and, but may have had some ideological similarities as well, like also participated in like violence against the Jews and the Poles and this kind of, so it's this like very complicated story that is now mixed with neo-Nazi, I don't, know if, I don't know if like hate groups is really, it's too biased a term, neo-Nazi advocacy groups <laughs> and, and their insignia. And so there's like, they're kind of borrowing imagery. And so that that's kind of the basis. And one one of the interesting parts is that the the people who normally see themselves as the people who will kind of out this kind of stuff, like the Anti-Defamation League and other and like anti-anti-Semitic anti organizations, are not saying much yeah. because they're really concerned that by exposing this or kind of criticizing it, they will be falling into Russian, pro-Russian talking points. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. one of Putin's narratives is that Ukraine is a Nazi state. So, and uh, there's actually a lot here that is confusing to me. So I, I'd be, I'd be interested in getting your first take on like, how do we see this from an integral lens? Yeah. Because there's a lot of it to me, maybe I'll just give a little hint as to my confusion. There's like this border of what do people mean when they use these symbols and what do other people think they mean? And maybe, maybe there's just, there's a quote that I'd like to read. So in the, in the times article, they quote this historian 
I'm going to butcher the name, so mm -hmm. apologies in advance. Ihor Kozlovsky, a Ukrainian historian and religious scholar, said that the symbols had meanings that were unique to Ukraine and should be interpreted by how Ukrainians viewed them, not by how they had been used elsewhere. And the quote is, the symbol can live in any community or any history independently of how it is used in other parts of earth. Yeah, this is where the um, ability to hold multiple perspectives really comes in handy because, you know, we sort of want to land on one story and we want to create a narrative drive that explains this thing that's happening in front of us that's so horrifying. And uh, there are many narrative drives in this story. And one of the things that Integral brings to the party that I think is so helpful is the idea of cultural evolution and stages of development. And uh, just to do a quick recap, I often point out that the, the three stages of development that are online right now are traditionalism, modernism, and postmodernism. They're in contention. And they're in contention in um, every country, certainly the countries that are at play here, Russia, um, uh, Ukraine, the West, United States. Uh, they all have strata at, at these various stages. And also, and this is where the Nazi thing comes in handy, there's a pre-traditional stage. There's a warrior stage of just conquest um, that, you know, no, no country or no human being is at any one stage at any, there's lots of different, there's centers of gravity, as we say, uh, so that you would have, you know, parts in traditional parts and modern and so forth. And so, you know, there's, there's, there's a real ethnocentric um, kind of holy warrior that, that, that's in a way what, that's the sour spot in history where we have holy which is uh, traditional that th divides the word the world into good and evil. Mm -hmm. And then warrior is that stage where your job is to cleanse the evil vermin infidels from the land and return it to God and people. And that was motive. That was the motivation of the Nazis. I mean, that's just the, the sort of stupefying nauseating truth about good and evil warfare, which has been most of recorded history is one group fighting to uh, uh, to conquer another that they see as evil, bad, and, you know, impure and all the stuff that we do when we're ethnocentric or racist, as we now call them. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there's that strat of people. There's that strat of people here, you know. They don't have a big say. They make a big fuss sometimes. A lot of times they keep their beliefs, you know, to themselves and they live a normal modern life. Uh, in Ukraine, I think that it, it, it's unique as that the quote said, um, the, the, you know, Ukraine had been literally starved into submission by Stalin and the Soviets in early 30s. And then the Nazis come in and they are absolutely seen as liberators. These people are natural, they're naturally, um, again, ethnocentric, they're religious, they feel the call of blood and soil. Um, you know, this, this is a, um, you know, a strata of 
humanity that in a way we should all feel, you know, I, I think in the integral world to come, we will have reintegrated uh, a lot. I was just telling you before, I think we pressed record that I just came back from England yeah. where my people are from and both sides of my family. And so I do feel that sort of karmic liquid history when I'm there and I'm really interested and I feel really at home. And I have a friend who's Italian and she has the same sort of feel for Italy. And, you know, it's, it's something that can be noticed and, um, you know, integrated. I didn't have that when I was a kid. I, nobody ever talked about, you know, our wonderful English heritage, but it's, you know, kind of there. So, yeah. So in, uh, Ukraine, it's there. Um, and you know, it, the upside is militarily that these, like the Azov regiment, that's one of these people, one of these groups, yeah. uh, they're tremendous fighters, you know, that holy warrior, that stage of development, uh, is they're fierce fighters. Uh, I, I guess they're, um, largely responsible for, for defending Mariupol. And, you know, so they're, they'll, they'll be legendary, but, um, Here's the other thing about development that is really important to take into account here is that, and this is again, something that's almost obscene to say, but wars are developmentally, evolutionarily potent. Countries who have been tested in this way sort of have to dig deep and find out who they are. And, you know, old calcified ways of thinking, institutions, they're all you know, we're, 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 we're at square one, yet we have the wisdom that we learned. Look at, you know, Germany and Japan after World War II, how quickly they not only rebounded, they uh, moved forward into the vanguard of development at this time, actually. Um, so that's going to happen. That's actually going to happen to both Ukraine and Russia. Uh, the, the, however, they end this war. Um, both sides will have learned a lot about themselves and will do deep rethinking. And that's uh, always evolutionarily potent. So maybe I'd stop there and just see if more <laughs> confused or, you know. Yeah, you yeah know. That, that part, that part is, is clear to me. And, you know, the, the, the power of like the mixture of like the, the red and the traditional, yeah. pal the paladin part, you know, that, yeah. like, but there's there's two things that I find, I guess one thing I find concerning and one thing I find confusing. And so the con the concerning thing to me is that like the, um, the groups like the Anti-Defamation League or whoever it is, the, the groups that are like, hey, these symbols have a lot of power and meaning and they're not, um, we're not fans of them, you know, that they won't say that because they think people can't handle the nuance of there's Russia, which is, and these are the desires of Russia. And then there's Ukraine and these are the desires of Ukraine. And then there's us in the West, the mainstream West. There's not, it's not one thing. Cause yeah, cause like, ha you know, half of the elites in this country are like really concerned about Russia. And then the other half are really concerned about China and maybe not so concerned about Russia. But there's these people in, in the U.S. that are really concerned about Russia, and that's what's driving our foreign policy assistance yes. to Ukraine in this. And, and the fact that mentioning the mentioning this, like, 
history of ties of imagery with the Nazis. And I think more than imagery, from what I could tell. I mean, it wasn't just that like these people were into the imagery, but they were like participating in the violence against the Jews and the Poles yes. and the massacres. You know, it's like, yes. it's, it's more than that. Yeah. And, and, and to be able to just say all that in one paragraph and have it, have it not, there's no simple conclusion. It's not like, well, right. we should stop. <laughs> we should stop helping these people or because we're really, we're not helping them. It's a, it's a proxy war yeah. where like we're, we're doing this for our own benefit. Right. Yeah. Which is like, there's so many other instances in the last 20 years where we could have helped people in a similar situation and we didn't because they weren't useful for us in our proxy war. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's really like, to me, it's a bad sign that we can't talk about this in a more nuanced way. Yeah. Or that just, just, just because they have this imagery that we find distasteful, uh, that we can't bring it up and also still support them militarily because it's going to re- lead to our pragmatic military. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and the U.S. and the West, I think in general, sees Ukraine as our, our, our people, our our soldiers are, you know, we're on their side. It's, it's just, it was, it's a natural thing. And, and I would argue that developmentally it's a natural thing too, in that, um, we have an, we have a country in Russia that a center of gravity traditional, actually, it's more comfortable with autocracy. It's l- less in less human rights. It's less oriented to Europe than Ukraine, more center of gravity, modern. Even with their right wing and even with their chaotic politics and so forth, they were more European in that way. And that's a stage. Those are two stages. Uh, again, centers of gravities, there's exceptions. It's, you know, we're talking probability clouds ultimately here. But it, it is rare that I, I'm thinking, trying to think of another case where a modern country was attacked by a, a pre-modern country or, a, 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 you know, an autocracy. And so there is a natural, you know, the other modern countries do feel that. Um, there's, you know, Ukraine may not have been part of NATO, but NATO is that block of countries that's saying that we're going for liberal values here. You know, we're going to trade with each other instead of fight with each other. We're going to recognize borders. We're going to recognize human rights. We're going to have free expression. We're going to have courts. We're going to have separated powers. We're going to have, you know, peaceful transfers. A power. Uh, that's a whole, that's modern. That's a whole developmental stage of worldview that pre-modern people not only don't get, they don't like it. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's too challenging for me. I was watching some so-called man on the street interviews in Moscow the other day on YouTube. And there was a couple of people who were just like, basically, I miss the Soviet union, mm-hmm. you know, back when, we knew who we were and, you know, we didn't have all this fracas and there's all this gay and, you know, all that, you know, the Western cultural stuff is just anathema. Yeah. To, yeah. Uh, yeah. Make, you know. make Russia great again. Right. Yeah. Same movie. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's an argument you can, you can connect the dots that this is a U.S. proxy war. And I say that I agree with that. Uh, you can also connect the dots that this was, um, you know, a war on a modern country that th- they themselves, they don't feel like they're tools of America. They feel like, you know, Ukrainians, I'm shocked, actually, at 
the lack of dissent, and this may be in a sense what you're talking about, the, the lack of a, a noticeable peace movement in Ukraine, is it suppressed? Probably somewhat, yes. Just as it is, I mean, there's a self-suppression that is coming from Western journalists where we don't want to report atrocities committed by Ukraine. Yeah. That there is uh, probably a factor of many of Russian atrocities compared to Ukraine, but they still happen. That there are anti-Semites, that, you know, Ukrainians are not, as particularly these, you know, more nationalistic right wing, they're not going to be pro-gay anytime soon. You know, there's all kinds of things going on here um, that the West doesn't want to hear about because it complicates a good versus evil story. Yeah. You know, there's a strata in me that I don't want it complicated. It's like, fuck Putin. Yeah. You know, I want to see this, you know, I want to see Ukraine, you know, blow them back. Yeah. Uh, and then there's the modern part of me that says, okay, we got these players here and neither of these guys are going to lose really. You know, we're not, nobody's going to go scorched earth here, hopefully. Um, so how do we negotiate something that everybody can hurt a little bit and everybody can live with and move forward, keep the world, the system going? That's my modern Jeff. Yeah. And then there's the postmodern that is, you know, outraged. There's a lot, it's funny, the liberals are the more pro-war. Yeah. And yeah. progressives. Yeah. Uh, because there's, you know, the little guy's getting beat up by the big guy. And I feel that too. So, you know, as an integralist, I can notice all three of those people, Jeffs, all three of those Jeffs. And at some point I have to make a decision about, you know, am I going to be vote for the ones who want to more war or the ones who want, you know, to negotiate now, or I'm glad I don't have to make that decision ultimately. But, you know, yeah. as a citizen, I'm, I'm going to have to vote for somebody at some point. Right. But, that, but I think this is, to me, this is a really important, you know, for us and for every person listening, this is like the real spiritual question or the question that's going to influence our lives is, can we have the space to hold those, that multiplicity of narratives? Because it's so, it's so easy, even as integralist, to forget about that and just be like, fuck Putin. This is just about that. You know, it's so easy. I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah, I know. No, that's one of the things that it's, it's real integral practice to take on. I mean, even what's, what's Russia's point of view? What's the average, average Russian's point of view? And yeah, you can argue that they've been propagandized and, uh, you know, whatever. But they also have a real sort of, um, you know, again, I often say that in the integral future sacred world to come, we we will all cherish Russianness. You know, whatever that is, that sort of soul of Russianness that feels, you know, put upon and they have this horrible history and yet they have this romantic, they're like Enneagram fours. I don't know if you know the Enneagram, but they're no. tragic romantics. Okay. And, uh, you know, so... I mean, I don't know. That's a that's a stereotype that I think is built on some truth. And in a way, you know, from, you know, just from another perspective, the last thing Putin could really tolerate was a successful modern country on his borders. 
you know, that basically had the same lineage. And like, why did that happen for them? And I, Putin, have led Russia into, you know, who buys anything Russian except, you know, oil. So, you know, this sort of miserable country. So anyway, I'm rambling. But again, the, you, you can, as an integralist, let all of these stories in. And um, that's why I love to listen to these men in the street interviews that were Russians are actually talking, uh, and U Ukrainians too. And damn, it's just every one of them, you just it breaks your heart. Yeah. You know, because they all believe it. I, I, you know, that's one of the th things that is an integralist. It's like I tend to believe the last person I talk to. Yeah. And I, as I should, you know, not, not to take it on totally, but to add it to the pieces of the truth that make up a more complex and integrated uh, worldview, which is what we want. Which is what we want. Yeah. So to figure that out, <laughs> we get that all straightened out. Yeah, I think that's 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 good. That's good for now. I'm sure. I'll... I think it's good for now too, yeah. man. Yeah. Wow, Encore. Well, what fun! Thank yeah. you for uh, showing up and you know posing these uh, great questions and you know. Well, I to, to be really out. honest with you, Jeff, I missed you. Oh, yeah. Well, that's and I'm glad. I'm glad we're back on. Uh, we're back on track here. I think we are too. Yeah, happy to be. All right, Encore. Well, then I think we're all settled up and um, yeah, stay in touch and see you next week. See you next week, Jeff. All right. Thanks, folks, for listening. This is Jeff Salzman signing off. See you at the next Daily Evolver.